there's a lot more to it than that. A lot more to it than that. Now, sin causes us to be self-centered. It shifts our hearts from God to self. I it does it sometimes without us noticing. It causes us to be from God-centered. It causes us to go from God-centered to self-centered. We lose that focus on God and start focusing on us. And incidentally, when your focus turns back to you, you should, as a Christian, already know you stepped out in the relationship with God and moved into a relationship with you. This morning in Sunday school, I was teaching in an adult's class. We talked a little bit about the old story of a gentleman who was a Christian for 25, 30 years. And those 25, 30 years, he carried his cross faithful and true. So the day he said, This is too heavy for me. I see other Christians laughing. I see some of them. Uh, with great pleasure, I see some of them enjoying life, and I am grueling and toiling and carrying my cross. And then that he looked at himself and he said, Why can't I be like those other Christians? Threw his cross to the ground, fell upon his knees, and said, Lord, this is not fair. Of course, he left his cross and went back home. That night, I'm on his knees and said, God, this is good for you free of my burden. In fact, I'd like to continue to serve you, but I demand a smaller cost. Lo and behold, that night, the Lord visited the Christian. The Lord said, my child, I will let you choose the cross to carry. And he took me down the hallway and restored the cross. And as the man opened the doors, looking at the cross, he saw it beautiful. On the size of the Empire State Building. He saw crosses that were large, like Mount Everest. He saw some that were heavy, 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 made of stone, some made of glass, some made of wood. Finally, in the very last room, I looked up there and found the top of the cross, light as a cross, made of bossy wood. I said, Lord, I'll carry that cross for you right there. And then he said, That's the one you just. Sin causes us to be self-centered. causes us to shift our hearts from God itself. The essence of salvation is about faith. So we turn around from self-centeredness to God. And that's when we decide to get right with God. The Christian must spend a lifetime denying self. Our greatest temptation is to affirm ourselves while we follow Jesus. Now, James and John did this when they chose to follow Jesus. They asked for the two most prominent positions in Jesus. Kingdom. So we're going to take a look at them as our first example. Right? In fact, this is our first point as we take a look at it called Deny Yourself. And we're learning how to pick up our cross. We're learning how to come after Jesus. And if we're going to do that, the first part we need to do is deny ourselves. And so let's learn a lesson from James and John. So look with me, please, in Mark chapter 10. And this is actually Mark. Mark chapter 10, verse 35 37. Now, some of you have been in choir practice, and in choir practice, we've got an ongoing joke about the end of the song. The end of the song, we like to say, hey! And let me tell you, it's really, really hard at the end of the song, to might go to Mark, not to say, hey! But I think everybody will keep looking at me. <laughs> Mark chapter 10. That's okay, I would have got it, and I would have been happy, and that's all that matters. Mark 10, 35-37, the Bible says, Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him saying, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. And he said to them, 
what do you want me to do for you? And they said, Jim, grant us that we may sit one on your right hand and the other on your left in your glory. Now, James and John wanted a discipleship that would not impede their personal aspirations. In fact, that probably describes most modern Christians. And I know there's been times in my life it described me. I wanted to follow Jesus, but I didn't want to be inconvenienced. I wanted to be His disciple, but I didn't want to break the sweat. I wanted to be His and all His, but I still wanted to do me. That James and John from my past. They wanted discipleship that would not impede their personal aspirations. Like them, we sometimes say, Lord, I want to be pleased in you, but I want to stay where I am. That's your alliance, and you've got the same idea. You say, I want a churchless Christianity, God. I want a Christless Christianity, God. I want a crossless Christianity, and I want a costless Christianity. That's what we're looking at here tonight. Year 2024, it has become a particular idea and thought that we can now have Christianity minus the church, that we can have Christianity minus the cross, that we can have Christianity minus the cross. Really, you can't. James and John came up and said, we want to be yours, and we want to all be yours, but we want to be where and how we want to do it. When I was growing up, the commercials would come on for McDonald's and for Burger King, and you probably remember the Burger King one a little better. They said, you can have it made your way. You can drive up and say, make my life or however I want it. And we tried to apply that to Christianity. Make my Christianity exactly how I want it. I want it on my time. I want it when it's convenient for me. And I want it made the way I like it. I want it made like that. So you say, I like mine with mustard and mayonnaise. Pastor. Christianity doesn't come with mustard and mayonnaise. It comes with blood, sweat, and tears. It comes with work. It comes with commitment. And that's where we fall short in our discipleship. And that's really what we're looking at tonight. Our discipleship phase of being a Christian. We have to be committed. And when we commit ourselves, we deny ourselves. As we learn to deny ourselves tonight, and what we're asking God to do is help us to go from being self-centered God. Once again, James and John wanted the discipleship that would not impede their personal aspirations. Like them, we sometimes say, Lord, I want to be pleasing to you, but I want to stay where I am. Or perhaps we said it like this, Lord, make me what I want to be for you. God, this is what I want to be when I grow up. Come make me the best one I can be. And oh, by the way, I'll give you the glory for it later on. That's modern Christianity. But that's not what Jesus said. He said, you must deny, help me out, yourself. You must deny yourself. In fact, that's the very first part of being a disciple. You must deny yourself. It's not about what you want. It's not about what you like. It's not about how you want it. It's about denying yourself. See, self-centered people try to keep their lives undoubled and undisturbed. They like to keep them safe and secure. Of course they do. We all do. And our temptation is to give our time and effort to the goals of this world. That is the greatest temptation that the modern Christian has. Then when we are successful in the world's eyes, we seek to bring God into our world by honoring Him with our success. Have you ever met a church? Have you ever met a Christian 
that says, I'm going to do the very best I can. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And then when it's over, I'm going to say, well, God did it for me. You get down inside. God didn't lead you into it. God didn't direct you into it. You were just successful at it. I kind of mentioned it a little bit this morning as I talked about the athlete who runs into the end zone and raises his finger up and says, God, thank you for the touchdown that I scored. Thank you for making me a successful athlete. Understand Christianity is about denying yourself. It's not about giving God the glory for what you've done. God's not interested in second-hand glory. We say, now that I've succeeded in business, maybe sports, or maybe our politics, or with our families, or even in Christian ministry. We say, I want to give God the glory for it. God is not interested in receiving second-hand glory from our activity. And this is the truth we need to learn. God is interested in receiving glory from His activity through our lives. Some of you might say, Pastor, sounds a lot like experiencing God. Yes, it does. That's where the blessings come from. From experiencing God. God is interested in giving glory by working through you. And I want you to know this spiritual truth. You have to deny yourself to let God work through you. You've got to say no to you before you can say yes to God. You've got to learn that our flesh, in fact, the Bible tells us in our flesh lies no good thing. We've got to learn that our desires are not right, our carnal mind is not right, and we've got to lay it down to let Him live through us. The Apostle Paul said it like this to know Him and the power of His resurrection. He said, For me to know Him is. Life. Now, oftentimes, we're faced with that cross. Which one will I choose? Which one's better? What I want, what I like. That's what we think of God all the time. Now, they, God, give me something that pleases me. And the Bible says completely differently deny yourself. So, right now, if you were to take a look in your heart and your Christian walk, Right now, if you were to grade yourself as a teacher does their students, where would your Christian walk be? If you were honest with yourself, and don't shout it out loud, and don't say, Pastor, I'm the greatest Christian there ever was, or Pastor, I'm the worst Christian that there's ever been. Right now, if you were to grade yourself, where would your walk be? If you were to grade yourself using just Jesus' word, deny yourself. How have you done that? Are you doing it right now, sometimes it's a challenge to come and say, it means amen in the Bible. So don't say it out loud. You'll give yourself away. Say amen, right? Here's the point. And here's what I'm talking about. It starts in each and every one of us small, and it grows bigger and bigger. In fact, both of them grow bigger and bigger. Our desire to follow ourselves or our desire to follow God, it starts out small, and it grows Bigger, and you choose which one you choose. You do. You choose. You choose which one you will grow. The carnal nature and the spirit inside of you. It's busy, incidentally, the more you feed the carnal side, the bigger it gets. Just like our flesh. Let me give you a picture of it. The more twinkies you get, the fatter you get. While in high school, one of my teachers pulled me aside. She said, Josh, I'm going to tell you the secret of life. And I said, what is the secret of life? I'm 17 years old. I really want to know. She said, what you put in your lips, go straight to your hips. I just walked away. 
wiser and smarter for that. The more you feed the carnal nature, the bigger it gets, the heavier it will become, and the harder it is to lose weight. You know what else? There's also spiritual truth in our physical life. We can go 40, 50, 60 years without exercising, and then out of a sudden the doctor says, you must exercise. How hard is it for that 50-year-old man to get up and start exercising? When he hasn't exercised in 50 years. That's the picture. Ye must, says Jesus, deny yourself. And that's why it's imperative. Listen to me now, Christian. Imperative. That means extremely important that you begin disciplining yourself as a disciple right now. Denying Denying yourself. Not denying ourselves means that we begin feeding the Spirit inside of us. Now, the world will entice you to adopt its goals and to invest in temporal things. Resist the temptation to pursue your own goals. Ask God to bless them. That is our biggest temptation. Well, I've said that a couple of times. That's one of our biggest temptations. Bless what I've done, God. Years ago, I had a pastor who would say, we'll say the, the offering prayer after we take the tithes off. That pastor say, no, we'll ask God to bless before we take the tithes off. I've had people say, we'll say the prayer after the service. I've had people say, no, we'll pray before service. I want you to know it's irrelevant unless you die for yourself. It's irrelevant unless it's all for God's glory and not for your glory. The world will entice you to adopt the gold, and it will invest in temporal things, and you will invest in temporal things. God bless you. We need to learn to resist the temptation to pursue our own goals and ask God to bless them. Rather, we need to deny ourselves and join the activity of God, and she reveals it. Look at me again in Matthew 16, Let's look at our second point tonight. Not only does Jesus say, deny yourself, he says, take up your cross. Take up your cross. And incidentally, you can't take up your cross until you learn to deny yourself and you see the order in the scripture. Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, and we've said that over and over and over again, I want to follow Jesus. You've sang to him, I have decided to follow Jesus. I know he has. But you can't come until. You deny yourself. Incidentally, you can't follow him unless you take up the cross. Unless you take up the cross. Notice that Jesus makes it personal. Take up your cross. Not my cross. Not your neighbor's cross. Not your buddy's cross. Not the church's cross. Yours. That's right. I'm preaching to you. And I'm preaching to you. Take up your cross. Read it again with me. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. Do you want to follow me? Deny yourself. Take up your cross. You can't follow him until you do those two things. And let me ask you how you fare on the denying yourself cross. How would you rate yourself? Perhaps you say, Pastor, a lot like the illustration he gave of the man saying, my cross is too heavy. And I threw it aside. But perhaps you've seen the illustration about the man who said, my cross is too heavy. No, I don't want to throw my cross now. But 
what I will do is get a saw out chuck about four feet on it, making it lighter for me. And I carried it faster than anybody, and I completed my goals faster than anybody. And then when the time came for the cross to become a bridge, it wasn't long to stand. Jesus says, if anyone desires to come after me, that's an invitation. Do you want to follow Jesus? You've got to deny yourself. You have got to pick up your cross. And you have got to follow him. So let's look at our second point tonight. Take up your cross. Now, your cross is God's will for you. It's God's will for me. Regardless of your cross. Taking up your cross is a choice. As I said just a minute. It is not beyond your control. It is a choice. You may have health problems. You may have a rebellious child at home, and you may have financial pressures, but do not, listen to me now, do not mistake these as your cross to bear. A lot of times we like to do that. Oh, that's my cross to bear. I've got arthritis. So did a lot of people. That is not your cross to bear. Oh, I don't make enough money. Apparently you haven't read the Bible a lot. Oh, pastor, I've got people at home that are relying on me. Have you ever read the Bible? You need me. Yes, they do. Your cross is God's will for you. And I want you to know you know God's will for you. Regardless of the cost, you're supposed to pick the cross. Taking up your cross is a choice. It is not beyond your control. You may have health problems or rebellious children at home, financial difficulties and financial pressure, but do not, once again, mistake these as your cross to bear Neither circumstances you face nor consequences of your own actions are your cross either. We like to think of that, oh, I made a mistake when I was a kid, that's my cross to bear. No, 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 no. That's not your cross to bear. Your cross is God's will. Your cross will be to voluntarily. And I wish I could emphatically state that voluntarily participate in Christ's suffering and to carry down the death. Do you understand something about Christianity? Suffering near the heart. Christian, not the heart. It is near to the heart. And God's Christians will suffer. Look with me at Philippians 3, verse 10. The Apostle Paul writes about it. We have churches today that preach out there, Oh, if you got faith, you'll have a wonderful life. Oh, if you got faith, all your bills will be paid. Oh, if you got faith, everything you need will be met. I want you to know, the Bible promises us a full life, not a needless life. We are promised the fullness of knowing Him. And incidentally, I don't you to say, well, hope. Something bad's happened, you must not be in God's will. I want you to say that to Stephen when you get to heaven. Remind him about how the rock came crashing down the bed. Or you must have been out of God's will. What about James? He took his head off with a sword. All twelve of the apostles were martyred. Which one do you think was out of God's will? Which one do you think wasn't living by faith? Real faith doesn't meet our worldly needs. Real faith walks us in God's will. Look with me at Philippians 3.10. The Apostle Paul, who's in prison at this time, 
He is in prison. Write this verse that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings. And that's what that's there for. I want to be a part of what He's doing. I want to be in the fellowship of His suffering being conformed to His death. I'm going to go back to the last slide. Neither circumstances you face nor consequences of your actions are your cross. Your cross will be to voluntarily participate in Christ's sufferings as he carries out his redemptive body. Read again Philippians 3 10. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. Being conformed to his death. Paul said he rejoiced in his sufferings because he knew that by them he was able to participate in suffering required to bring others into Christian maturity. When you choose to carry your cross, you're going to find out that the cross is not easy to bear. You're going to find out that the cross has splinters on it. You're going to find out that the cross is heavy, that the cross is covered in blood, that the cross requires you to be a self-sacrificing, self-giving, God-centered Christian. The moment you decide to be self-centered, the cross will be too heavy for you to carry. Not my cross. Not the church's cross. Your cross. What is your cross? That's the majority of the questions people ask me when they come to visit me. Pastor, what is God's will for my life? You know God's will for your life. In fact, it is written throughout the gospel to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, to seek and to save the lost, to win the lost. When we choose to carry that cross, I mean, you know the real love is nothing short Real love causes you to be self-sacrificing. Young man just came to me in my office and said, Pastor, I've fallen in love with this girl, and I want to marry her. And I said, do you love her? He said, oh, yeah. I said, what are you going to get for her? He said, nothing. I said, you don't love her. You don't love her. Young lady came to me and said, I have fallen in Love. And I said, what are you going to give for him? She said, I'm going to give him my life. I'm going to give him my name. I'm going to give him everything I have. I said, do you really love him? She said, yeah. So are you going to bring him to Christianity? She said, no. He's a Muslim. And I said, not love. Because real love will require you to be All that. Paul says he rejoices in his sufferings because he knew that by them he was able to participate in the sufferings required to bring others in the Christian maturity. Other Christians become deeper in Christ when you pick up your cross. Other Christians become inflamed. They become on fire. They become impassioned when they see you doing God's will. It's like a match. You can strike it and it's all by itself. And all by itself, sooner or later, that flame will burn out. But if you put it next to other matches that haven't been struck yet, the closer and closer you get, the hotter and hotter that stuff will become until every one of them catches on fire. Christian who denies himself, the Christian who picks up his cross and follows after Christ, will inspire other Christians to do the same. Either that, or they will bring suffering to their Christians. 
Colossians 1.24 tells us, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for you. Paul rejoiced in his sufferings. This is also a prison epistle. I rejoice in my sufferings for you. And fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ. For the sake of his body, which is the church. And you need to understand, Paul was not saying Jesus' sacrifice and atonement wasn't enough. So I'm helping him out. That's all I'm saying there. What he's saying is, I want to teach you that true Christianity isn't health, wealth, name it, claim it. True Christianity is death and seek them, save them, love them, bring the gospel to them. And when you do that, you will suffer. That's true Christianity. I rejoice in my sufferings for you. Fill up my flesh what is lacking in the affliction of Christ the sake of his body to the church. I want to teach you how to be full, mature, fully grown Christian. Not overweight with too much self-centeredness. Perfectly balanced Christian. Who deny themselves. Who pick up their cross. And follow that Christ. See, we tend to want to go immediately from denying ourselves to following Jesus, don't we? That's where I went wrong with the young Christian. I did that so I could deny myself that I'll just follow after Jesus. Wrong. You can never, ever follow Jesus unless you have first taken up your cross. There are aspects of God's redemptive work that can only be accomplished through suffering. Christ. Real suffering comes when you're willing to pay the ultimate price for them to come. In fact, the old poet said it many years ago. He said, there's only one life, and it will soon pass. Only what you've done for Christ. Many times we deny ourselves and say, I'm ready to follow Christ. You've got to pick up the cross. Your cross. God's will for you. Not God's will for me. Not God's will for your family. God's will you. You can't accomplish God's will if you pick up that cross. And you're going to find out that when you do, there will be suffering. Just as Christ had to suffer in order to bring salvation, there will be hardships you may have to endure in order for God to bring salvation to those around you. Jesus did not talk with his disciples about the cross until they come to know that he was Christ. Now that's the next part we're looking at. I want to stop this here with you and meet the soldiers. While in Brownwood, working on my bachelor, bachelor's degree, I went out preaching. And while preaching, I met some rich socialites of Brownwood. And not everybody in Brownwood is a Christian. Imagine that. And while preaching there, I offended some, which is also something I've done often through my ministry. One of the local gentlemen there became enraged with me and said, You have quit preaching that kind of Jesus. Jesus in my preaching. He said, the Jesus I know loves everybody. And I said, the Jesus I know says you must repent. He became so enraged with me. I remember coming home and coming over. Talking to God, why did you have to talk to Becky about it? Becky was like, well, sometimes you're just a little annoying, Josh. <laughs> no. My wife consoled me. Did. I went back out the next day. He came to me by that phone. That gentleman was there. After the sermon, he came up 
I thought he was going to do what everybody else does, man. I'm sorry. I hit you. Sorry. Let me shake hands with you. We'll leave on good terms. He said, I got home. Turned on the TV. I said, I'm a preacher. The preacher said, unless you repent, you will not. He said, I started to eat lunch, and my wife put the lunch out on the table, and I thought I heard her say from the kitchen, unless ye repent, ye will likewise perish. He said, I got into bed at night, and the curtains would ruffle in the ceiling fan, and I could hear them saying, unless ye repent. That morning, he repented and said, Jesus. I went back home and said, Lord, that's what it takes me to be a Christian. I'll just take a whack in the mouth anyway. I want you to know, suffering is real. Hard It's not evil. But it's me. I don't say that with nothing compared to what our Lord suffered. But I want you to know you must pick up your cross. And when you do, there will be hardships. You will endure them. In order to bring someone to know Christ. Look at me in Matthew 16, 21. We talked a little bit about how we talked about how Jesus didn't quite reveal the cross until they had realized that Jesus was the Christ. We started that a little bit this morning. We talked about the Son of Man, from David, from God. Jesus didn't reveal to his disciples the cross until they were completely certain. Jesus was the Christ. Look at me in Matthew 16. Let's take a look at verse 21. The Bible says, From that time Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. He didn't reveal that to them until they knew that he was Jesus. Now, give you a little context of that. Jesus is actually going to tell them, Who do you say that I am? And it's Peter who gives that great declaration. You know it quite well. You'll never be able, now listen to me, you'll never be able to endure the suffering of the cross unless you first make convinced that Jesus is the Christ. A lot of times we want to go out of order. A lot of times we want to say, well, I'll pick up the cross and keep carrying my cross and not deny myself. And a lot of times we'll say, I'll deny myself, but I'll never pick up the cross. And a lot of times we'll say, I want to follow Jesus. I don't want to deny myself, but I don't want to follow, follow Jesus. Well, let me tell you something. You'll never endure the suffering of the cross unless you first make convinced that Jesus is the Christ. Once you've settled your relationship with Christ, He will introduce you to your cross. And you might say, Pastor, I'm going to go to my cross. I ask you a spiritual question. Are you completely convinced that He's the Son of God? Are you completely convinced that He's the King of Kings? and the Lord of Lords. And if you are, then you've dedicated your life to Him. And it's no longer about you, but it's about Him. And then, and only then, when you deny yourself, you realize there's a cross for you to come. You'll never endure it until you approach the Lord and Jesus is the cross. That's the difference between fake Christianity and real Christianity. You understand? The faith Christian will search the cross. People look at the cross, you see them look at the cross and say, that's not what God called me to do. I don't want to carry a cross. I want 
to be behind the pulpit. I want to be famous. I want to be the teacher of all teachers. I want to be recognized. Popularity. And Jesus said, deny yourself. Deny yourself. The Apostle Paul says, I tell you all joy. And let it all go. Let me tell you something about the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul is one of the most amazing figures. Apostle Paul had everything in life going for him. Everything in life. A career, a future, mapped out, planned, ordered, most surprising. Let me tell you, Jesus has a way of changing our plans. Jesus has a way of changing our desires and changing our hearts and changing how we feel. I think it's amazing that God can work in your heart, work in your life, and change what you once hated into what you now love. And take what you once loved and make you now hate it. What I mean by that is you'll start loving righteousness and hating sin because you once loved sin and hated righteousness. Pastor Paul was a picture of that. Oh, his life was ordered. Oh, his life was set aside and perfect. Was without a doubt the Jew of all Jews. He writes it as the Hebrew of all Hebrews. A Benjamite, born in the tribe of Benjamin, where the first king of Israel came from. Circumcised, of course, on the eighth day. Tutored on the downward. Studied and learned, respected, and given authorization. To that faithful day on the Damascus Road. When Jesus showed him, life is what we want. Life is a person. Life is in a person, Jesus. Let's go back to our teaching, though. You'll never be able to endure the suffering of the cross unless you first be convinced that Jesus is the cross. Once you settle your relationship with Christ, He'll introduce you to your cross. No last slide of the evening. There is no Christianity there. There is none. If you don't have a cross to carry, to bear in your life, in your relationship with Christ, you He hasn't given you a job to do. He hasn't given you people on your heart, burdens on your heart, and you have a problem in your Christianity. How do I know this? The Bible tells us that. In fact, the Bible tells us in John chapter 10, my sheep, help me out. Know my voice. If you don't know his voice, you haven't been hearing his voice, you have a relationship problem. You know what your relationship problem is? Number one, you haven't denied yourself. You still think it's all about you. Number two, you haven't even begun to think it's And even if you decide to skip denying yourself, even if you decide to skip knowing Jesus and try to pick the cross up, it'll crush you. You can't bear it. You can't carry it. So you deny yourself. So you know he is Jesus. I've often wondered if Jesus revealed himself that day. Why did he just stand up there at the Jordan River when John the Baptist proclaimed, Behold the Lamb of God who taketh away the sins of the world. Why did Jesus say, Yep, it's true, I'm healed? Somebody get a sword quick and run me through the shoulder now. You know what? Christ must. He must pay 
for the sins of mankind. The Bible tells us, please, God, please. By His stripes are we healed. You know the gospel, the good news, how the penalty was paid in the blood of Jesus Christ. Christ must suffer. When we become more and more like Him, we find ourselves like Jesus. Faces step like plants. I've got to go to my home. There's a cross there for me. Nothing can keep Jesus from that cross. Now, there are a lot of things about me that I want to know. I have way too long. My hair was too gray. And the biggest fault that people point out is Pastor Jesus is too short. Praise God. But I want you to know something. I have learned a lot. The Bible is not a There is something that I can't share. Theologically, what is theology? The study of God. That means it might not necessarily be written in the scriptures, even though that's what we need to learn. God. But I want to give you something theological about God. Just looking at Jesus' life. See, we get to the end of Jesus' ministry, right before the start of the Passion. You know the story. We're there now in this year. We're right at that time frame where Jesus is in Samaria and they are saying, Don't stay here. You've got to go to Jerusalem because they saw his face. Set. You have to understand the picture theologically there. There was nothing in the world that could stop Jesus from going to Jerusalem. There was nothing that could come between him and doing his Father's will. The Bible tells us that the Son always does the will of the Father. There was nothing that could come between him. And the will of God the Father was that the Christ went to the cross. In fact, if he had to crawl to it, he would have been a climb over broken glass. He would have. Why? Because it was his private will. Nothing. Nothing. Not a church member, not a church service, nothing could keep him from going there. He was going in his father's will. get to God, more like Christ we become. Thirty years now in the ministry, it's been a long time since I've met that Christian. I delight to do thy will, Lord. I desire to do your will. Enjoy their lives. Up back to the front door. I don't really want to get on Hugged it and pulled it to him because in that work was redemption. There is no Christianity without a cross. If you're waiting for a relationship with God that never requires suffering or inconvenience, you cannot use Christ as a model. God's will for you involves a cross. First, take up the cross. Then, you can follow him. Perhaps you say, Pastor, you have spoken to me tonight. I am convicted about my relationship. In fact, I do have a relationship. I have it been. I am myself. In fact, the 
been all about me. I know it's going to be a battle. You know how I know? How many times have I been on a diet? What a battle that is. My body. How many times we got up in the morning and said, I am going to start working out. I'm going to start running. I'm going to lose this weight. You know? Can you see? It requires commitment. It requires something a minute ago. You said, if I haven't heard his voice, I'm not going to speak. And right now, I think I hear his voice saying, come. Follow me. You come and put Jesus in your heart. You come and receive him as personal Lord and Savior. Perhaps you say, Pastor, there's something else that needs to talk to God. Let's come and talk to God. Let's get it right with him before we leave tonight. Let's pray together. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. Oh, how thank you for your word. Help us, Lord God, right now. If there be anyone that needs to you let them, Lord God, lay it aside. Pick up you, Lord God, in your armor and fall at you. Or perhaps, Lord God, there's one tonight that says, the cross is calling me. And I know the cross is scary, and I know that it requires me to suffer and die. So please, Lord God, take me by the hand and pull me to you. If I give you my own life, perhaps, Lord, there's one. Right now will be the first time they come to me, and I'm going to ask you in my heart. Act in my life to be my Lord and Savior. Would you let that be the last day? In Jesus' name. Would you come as we sing? <laughs>